This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. We could wrap up service right now. Since I'm the one who's supposed to speak, maybe we should. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie, Dean, Jeff, JC, Maddie, Bethany. Thank you. Shoo. Y'all doing okay now? So often, the reason I landed on the word often is because I knew there was some stuff in my life that I was doing too often that just maybe not necessarily bad, just unproductive. And then that there was some stuff in my life that I could be doing more often that is more productive. So like I said, I went through the process, found the word often, it spoke to me. If you're anything like I am, you probably, before you did the process, was thinking of stuff, you know, just thinking of words, you know, huh, I wonder if this is my word, like money. I need some money, you know what I'm saying? Or cash. Or <laughs> dollars. <laughs> Those are my words. I need, some, I need some dollars to pay for my wife's master's degree. <laughs> I almost did dollar bills, but that's two words, and I didn't want to drop the word dollars for bills because I didn't want to confuse God and make him think I wanted more bills coming into the mail. So, But no, nah, I'm just kidding. That That's the kind of stuff you think of, and then you go through the process, and you get a real word, and you receive confirmation. And so we're going to go through my word this morning, but I, I also wanted to help you with your journey, just like last week, Dad um, use the word yes. It's kind of our group word, our community word, you know. Um, if Jesus had not said yes to everything that he said yes to, or David had not said yes to worshiping God, and yes is our group word. Now, I don't want often to be your, you know, a part of another group word, but I want to share it with you so that it helps you discover more and walk better with your word. So the first thing we're going to do is discuss the definition. The definition of the word often is many times or frequently. But also, you can use it, obviously, in a sentence or a question. And the question we should ask ourselves with certain things is how often. So if the word often means many times or frequently... And then you ask yourself, how often? It's asking, how many times or how frequently do I do this or do I do that? So the first thing we're going to look at is what we should often do. And I thought that there was no better place to look at what we should often do than Jesus. Because Jesus spent 0% of his time doing stuff that he shouldn't do. Jesus wasted no time. He did not sin. 100% of his time was spent doing stuff that we should often be doing. So what I did was I went through and 
I've got some verses laid out, but I also just kind of scanned over. I chose the book of Luke this time, and I scanned over the book of Luke and was looking at the passage titles. So you have like the start of a chapter or a parable, and there's a title to it, like Forgives and Heals a Paralyzed Man. That's the title of a segment. So I went through and I wrote down a bunch of these, and what I noticed was that there was not really one thing that Jesus did more often than another, not, you know, to a great extent. I noticed that he often healed people, okay? So you hear the quote, what would Jesus do? Now, we can't do exactly what Jesus would do. We can't look at a blind man and say, open him up, you can see now. But the closest we can get to healing people is praying for people. We can pray for healing, and we can tell God, you do the work because you're the one who can heal people, right? So we can't heal people. Jesus often completely healed people, but the closest thing we can do is to consider others and pray for them in their healing if they're sick. Another one is forgives and heals the paralyzed man. So he healed the paralyzed man, and he forgave him. Now, what Jesus did was Jesus forgave him of his sins. Now, we can't go be forgiving people of their sins and send them on their way to heaven. We don't have that kind of power either. The closest thing we can do is forgive the people who have wronged us, right? So, I've, I've experienced it myself, you know, having to forgive somebody, and I, I know that there's people in the room who probably are still dealing with some unforgiveness, dealing with some unforgiveness of a family member, maybe even your own father and mother who has wronged you in some way. And you may be telling yourself that you've forgiven that person, right? But if, and this is where the word often comes in, if you often think in your head about that person, and if you frequently have to tell yourself that you've forgiven that person, and if that person's always in the back of your head, the likelihood that you've actually forgiven that person is probably pretty low. So, so what we're doing with the Word, what I'm doing with the Word, is I'm analyzing myself. I'm seeing what's going on in my head. Because you may be thinking about somebody kind of like a song that's stuck in your head. It may be in the back of your head. It's not at the forefront of your mind, but they're there. But if you start paying more attention to the stuff that's in, going on in your head, you may realize because it could be a symptom of a problem that you're dealing with now. So if, you, if you're dealing with the unforgiveness of somebody, the best thing you can do is actually get it taken care of. Now, that don't mean you have to deal, do life with that person. You don't have to do life with everybody. I got plenty of people who... I can't stand, just to be honest with you. I just got people I don't like. You ain't got to do life with everybody. And you can, you can tell them that, you know, I'm sorry, we're not compatible. But what I would suggest is really figuring out what it's going to take to finalize the forgiveness, whether that's calling them up on the phone and say, hey, you did this to me. It hurt me. It broke me. It messed up my life in this way. But you know what? I forgive you. And you know why we should do that is because it says 
that God is only willing to forgive you to the extent that you're willing to forgive others. And I believe that God doesn't really bless those as much if they are dealing with unforgiveness. You may be stuck in a situation dealing with something in your life and dealing with some unforgiveness that maybe God's not blessing because you're dealing with unforgiveness, because you're harboring something against somebody. Nobody's perfect and we're all sinners. So to think that we could hold something against somebody else like we're better than they are, even if they actually wronged you. The best thing we can do is forgive that person. Doesn't mean you have to do life with them. So the next thing we see is that he eats with sinners. He often eats with sinners. If he ate with anybody, he ate with a sinner, right? But he ate and hung out with some people who really, it really ticked the Pharisees off when he hung out with these people or he ate with these people. We're all sinners. None of us are better than the other person. So I don't know why we would close the doors to anybody anyways, but our doors should be forever open. We should never push anybody out. We should be a community that doesn't look like one thing. We, everybody should be able to come in the door, right? Another thing that we see that he often does is he speaks, he teaches and speaks in parables. Now, I can't go around speaking in parables because I ain't that smart. But how often do we just get into our word and read this stuff? How often are we digging into our word, reading his preachings, his teachings, his parables? Like he's got all these titles here about sowing seed, do not worry, you know? Some of us could use a little parable about not worrying or teaching about not worrying. The rich fool, love for our enemies, that could go along with unforgiveness. He was anointed by a sinful woman. If that doesn't help you understand why we should be hanging out with everybody, then I don't know what else does if Jesus could be anointed by a sinful woman. Jesus raises the dead. I'm not going to touch on that one. <laughs> we can't raise the dead. He speaks on fruit and trees, blessings, light. Also, and this is why I say I, can't, I couldn't really find any one thing that he was doing the most of, because you see more stories of him healing people, but you also see him feeding people by the thousands. So he may be healing a bunch of people here and there, but when he fed people, he fed them 5,000 at a time. So it's like, which one's higher? So that's why I was super excited about the Matthew party, because the Matthew party is basically going to be us going out and feeding people. That's what it's going to be. We might have music. We might have whatever. But for no good reason, we're going to go out and feed people. If Jesus, which we're not going to take like two fish out there and a slice of bread and try to feed everybody in the community. We're not going to go that far. But if it was important enough to Jesus to feed people thousands at a time, I think that's something we should pay attention to. It's obviously and clearly important to feed people. So all these things are things that we should often do. And here in Luke chapter 5, I read verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's another thing. He often prayed. And I only got Briggs to put that part up. 
But the backstory on that I thought was pretty interesting because it was when he healed the man with leprosy, and just starting at verse 14, I'm not going to back all the way up because it's a pretty long segment. But it says, but Jesus, no, I'm sorry, don't tell anyone. This is after he healed the guy. He says, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So it doesn't tell you whether the guy who got healed from leprosy is the guy who went and spread the news everywhere after Jesus told him not to. It doesn't say whether he did. It doesn't say whether he didn't. He was in town. It could have been somebody who was an onlooker. It doesn't tell you who did what, how the news got spread. So maybe it's not important. Maybe it doesn't matter. It just matters that the news got spread. So crowds of people all of a sudden start showing up to Jesus to hear him and to be healed. But what's weird about that is right after it says that crowds of people showed up to Jesus to be healed, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It didn't say Jesus touched everybody that was there and healed 3,000 people that day. And what struck me about that is because we have people who show up here all the time, all the time. Most of y'all, I would say almost all of y'all, have been here at a point in time when somebody has showed up asking for help. Now, we can only help to a certain extent. I mean, we don't have trillions of dollars in the bank. So we take each case that somebody comes up and they present a story and we vet it. We figure out if the story's true. We figure out if, like say they're wanting to stay a couple nights in a room, but after those couple nights, they, they just happen to be in some temporary circumstance, and then they're going to be living somewhere. Okay, well, if, you're, if in three or four or five days you're going to be living somewhere, then we can help you with your temporary lodging, right? So we can help those who actually need help. Now, we have some people who, after we help that person, they hear that we helped that person, and they'll show up and say, I heard that you pay rent. I heard that you'll pay my rent. And I'm like, no, we don't pay rent. We don't just, what do you mean? She was like, well, I just heard that you pay rent. I was like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't just go around. She didn't even have a story. She, she didn't say, my grandmama's in the hospital. I had, I had to pay her bill or they're going to roll her out on the sidewalk. And it was my rent money. Now I don't have rent money. It's like, okay, that's a different story. But I need somebody to pay my rent, too, if, it's, if we're going like that. My electric bill, my trash bill. I mean, I need, <laughs> you know. And then we'll just, if we help somebody, we'll have people who just start coming up. And so we helped this one guy recently. And he said that he just needed to get to Texas. His car was broken down, so he had, he's been living out of his car. 
no job. His job is in Texas. He's got a job in Texas. He's just got to get there. So we do a little bit of talking to him, trying to figure out if his story's true. Um, Dad was here, and Dad decided that we were going to help him. And so we took his car that was broke down, put it in the shop, trying to figure out what's wrong with it, how much it's going to cost to get it fixed. I don't know the details behind the entire story, but I know for some reason while his car was in the shop, Dad decided, like I said, I don't know, it's going to sound confusing. It sounded confusing in my head when I was thinking about it. Got him a bus ticket and was going to put him on a bus to Texas. I don't know if that's because his car had tremendous problems and Dad was just going to go ahead and get him over there or whatever. But he got this guy a bus ticket. And then Dad texts me and he's like, hey, I got to give this guy a um, certain amount of money. Do you mind meeting him? Now, we don't normally hand out cash, but I gave this guy some cash. It was like a Saturday night at 7 o'clock. I'm already in my PJs and Dad already, and Dad asked me to go out and meet him, so I'm changing, going out. And, you know, we're willing to help people who we think really need to help. And so I met the guy and I said, um, when are you leaving for Texas? He said, I'm leaving tonight. He was riding with another guy. And he was like, I'm leaving tonight. Well, then a few days later, dad gets a call from some guy who knows him and said that he gave that guy who just called dad the car and wanted to know if he could finish paying the bill on it so that he could have the car. And dad said he got the feeling that the guy never went to Texas, so he asked him, where, well, where is he at? Well, he's here in town. He never even went to Texas. So, dad, and then he wound up not really being the true owner of the car, so dad just left the car in the shop, didn't pay for it, and blah, blah, blah. Well, then all of a sudden, we had, within that week, I'm not kidding, like 12 people showing up with, like, the most tragic stories you've ever heard. This one lady shows up. She's got some dudes in the car. She's telling me she's got to get to Macon because she's got some kid in the hospital. She's got to get there. She's got no money for gas. And, you know, I was busy, so I was just trying to hurry up. And I was like, well, I could put $20 in your tank. So we went up there. I put $20 in her tank. And then I don't remember what day it was, but Dad was here, so it must have been a Friday. Some more people show up. It's this lady who's driving and a dude in the passenger seat. She kind of parks further down the parking lot because dad's out here at the overhang. We're right here. And he gets out of the car and walks down and tells dad that he's got nowhere to stay. Wanted to know if he could get him a, a room for a few nights. And just like we ask everybody, well, what's your long-term plan? And this dude was like, he couldn't have been much older than me. Looked physically fit. Could have probably been working a job. I don't know if he, I don't know. But he said, well, I don't have a plan. I guess after my nights that you give me run out, I'm just going to go up to the next church and ask for a few more nights. <laughs> and dad was like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I can't help you. Long story short on that, I can't help you. So they leave. The girl in the car is somebody that I had recognized been here before asking for help. And I don't remember the whole situation, but I wound up telling her, sorry, I can't help you. She was the one dropping that guy off. Well, then about 45 minutes later, she shows back up, but she's, we were in the gym, so we weren't outside. We didn't see how she got there. 
And she walks in with this completely different story about why she needs help. And dad says, well, weren't you just in the car with that guy? And it was beyond the shadow of a doubt that she was the one in the car with the guy. Saw her and everything. She said, no, I wasn't here with anybody. What are you talking about? And dad said, no, you were just here with that guy. You were the one who brought him. No, my mom brought me. She dropped me off. Okay, well, here we go. If you're just coming to see her deal with, she said she didn't have any electricity that her kids were sitting at home in the dark. If you're just coming to ask us real quick if we can pay your electric bill, why did your mom leave? There was no car in the parking lot. So my assumption, I don't know for a fact, was that they swapped seats. He dropped her off and drove off so they didn't see him again. Because why would your mom drop you off and leave? And it was the same woman. He was like, well, I'm sorry, we can't help you. She said, well, why would you help a drug addict like so-and-so and drops, name drops the Texas guy? So it's like, oh, okay, here we go. The guy, the Texas guy is telling everybody to come up here with a story. Tell them you're helpless and they'll help you. Right? So a bunch of people just start coming, name dropping the Texas guy, saying, You'll help me, I'm in this desperate situation. And it's like, boy who cry wolf, we don't know what to believe anymore, so it's like we can't just start helping everybody. And if you bring it back to this verse, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, it sounds to me like, just like these people, people are coming with their selfish reasons. They got, let me tell you something, church attendance is way down. People actually going to church is way down nationally. The average is down. So the average of people attending church is down, but it seems like the number of people going to the church just to ask for something is going up. So less people are going to church, more people are just coming to ask you to pay their electric bill. And so I think that Jesus paid more attention to those who were sincere, really desperate, had the faith, believed in God, believed, because you've got the story of the centurion. He has a servant who's sick and dying. He, the centurion says, I'm not worthy enough to be in the presence of Jesus. So he sent an elder to tell him that his servant is sick and dying and he wants him to save him, but I'm not worthy enough to present myself to you. But I believe enough that if you just say it from where you're at, then my, service, my servant will be saved. Those are the types of people with that kind of faith that Jesus, I believed, helped. Not just everybody who came because they heard something and said, oh, well, I got this going on. Why don't I go let them take care of this real quick, and then I'll move on about my business? We, could you imagine if we just started paying everybody's rent? We'd have probably 500 people show up on the first day. We'd, be bro we'd start at 9, start writing checks, be broke by 9.05. So I think that Jesus knew, obviously, knew the heart of the people who were coming. He knows your heart. 
And the reason I mentioned church attendance is it's like at a certain point, you have to decide that you're going to help yourself a little bit. You can't just decide that you don't care anything about Jesus until your rent's due and then come up there to the church and say, well, y'all are good people. Y'all are the church. It's not like these things that I said we should often do. You know, it, it, more people know what you should be doing than you think because they wouldn't be coming up here if they had no idea that we were supposed to be serving others. Well, it's like if we tell them, no, well, aren't you a church? Aren't you supposed to be good? Aren't you supposed to do stuff like this? Well, it's like, yeah, but you're 32. You could have a job. Are you applying? No. You're going to go up to the next church and just tell them, what about when you need to eat? Are we supposed to buy you breakfast, lunch, and dinner too? So, excuse me. So I believe Jesus knows our heart, and I, I believe there should be a social fabric. I, I believe this is how it should work, and I think how it used to work more when people were attending church more, that you have people who are coming to church because they believe in God and they want to better themselves, and they don't just want to be helped for themselves, but they want to help others. And then you have a better, bigger church and better community to help those who come along who are actually desperate and in need and that there's no cloud around it. We know who we can help. They come. We got a whole squad of people who are wanting to help others, and that's how we help them so that there is no more diverse of a community, I believe, than in churches. And so when people are dropping out of churches, that's how you, and I don't mean this to sound bad, but I don't hang out with black people if I'm just going over to my house or if I'm just going about my business. I see black people when I come to church, right? It's a social fabric, it's a social construct that brings people of different creeds, colors, ages. I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna hang out with old people just on a regular basis. So if you break down the church, people aren't really together anymore. You're just going to work, you're going home, you're not communing uh, with each other. Can you really think, unless, unless you're talking about work, where you're just hanging out with, with a two-year-old, a 90-something-year-old, a black person, a white person, man, woman, teenager, everybody together. That's the way it's supposed to be, and we're supposed to be able to help those who truly need it come in and come to us first. Right now, it's the government that they go to. And that's, that's another reason that keeps people up from needing churches because all, all they get to do is go get welfare and food stamps. And I'm not knocking that, but I believe it should be church first who's helping people. I believe you should be able to get help from your local church and your local charity. If you can't get help there, you can go to the county. If you can't get help there, there should be something set up with the state. And if you can't get help there, then there should be something set up federally to help people. I think if it's set up that way, there's no way you're getting federal. There's no way you could make it that far. So anyways, sorry, I'm a little out of breath from going on that. So the things that we should often do, let's, let's go back over it real quick. Pray. We should pray for ourselves, but we should also be considering the needs of others and praying for others. We should worship, we should serve, we should love, we should 
meditate and listen? How often do you find yourself, after you've read or after you've uh, done worship or active service, do you just sit, turn whatever noise you got going on down and just sit with God for a moment? Meditate for a moment. Another thing that we should often do, and what Jesus always did, was obey the command of God. Just like Dad said last week, how often do we say yes to the commands of God? And I'm not talking about a command that is just verbal, that God sent down from the heavens and blasted in your ear. We know the commands of God. They're written in the Word of God. How often are we going in, seeing what the command of God is to serve others, and how often are we saying yes to do that, yes to obey that? I'd venture to say we've got a lot of distractions that keep us from even considering that. We're too distracted. So what we'll, we'll talk about now is what often happens to you. So I think, just like I said, the people coming to the church know. I think more people know this list of stuff we talked about than you think. But we're not living in a perfect world. So we can't just decide to do these things. Nothing's ever going to happen to you in life to deter you from that. Because we wouldn't even be here talking about it if it worked like that. So things that often happen to you. You wind up maybe having family problems. We live in a world that's not perfect. We live in a world where circumstances sometimes come up and dictate. So if you've got family problems and you're dealing with some unforgiveness or you're dealing with the death in the family or you're dealing with maybe you're dealing with health problems or you're dealing with money problems I know all about money problems back when me and Lydia we do okay now I work for y'all so I don't make any money still but <laughs> no I'm, I'm just kidding but back then when we first got married we both worked as hard as we could, but we didn't make a lot of money. It's not like we were lazy. We just didn't make a lot of money, and we had to borrow money. We had to borrow money from Lydia's parents. I had to borrow money from my parents sometimes. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth, and so, you know, when they let me borrow money, I would pay it back, but it's not like I was sitting on my butt and saying, hey, I need money because, well, I ain't got a job. I had a job. But these, all these things like money problems, health problems, family problems are things that happen to you and can become a distraction. So we know the stuff that we often should do, but then stuff happens to you and you start maybe paying more attention to these things. Maybe you're harboring unforgiveness. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you are just complaining. Maybe you, and this is where... I want you to analyze your thought process. Are you a complainer? Do you spend more time complaining about your circumstance than you do giving thanks to God about the fact that you're even alive? We talk about health problems. Hey, most of y'all probably don't know this. I got some of the worst physical problems anybody can have for like a 26-year-old man. I've got good organs, I'm not talking about that, but physical problems, I've had back problems since I was in middle school, and I can remember almost specifically 
when they started because I went to school through fifth grade and <laughs> my mom and dad decided they were going to homeschool me because I was not ready for middle school, they thought. They thought, dude, you are too crazy, too wild, too goofy, too dumb, too whatever. You ain't ready for middle school. So they were going to homeschool me. So I spent all of sixth grade homeschooled, half of seventh grade, and they decided to put me back in. I remember at my age of seventh grade that I started having low back problems. I've never not had low back problems ever since. What's happened? My problems have gotten worse. I have mid-back problems with my low back. My scapula is always drawing in tight. If I don't stretch it out, it's going to be killing me. My trap gets locked up. It causes pain and tightness in my neck that shoots from the back of my neck around the side of my head into my eye. If you ever see me doing this, it's because I'm like massaging my eye. It's hurting so bad. Now, that's not constant, but I got two bad ankles. I couldn't even tell you why. The reason my low back hurts, I found out, is because my L5 vertebrae is like deformed. So like when I bend over and stuff, it's not supporting me, right? So the muscles on one side are overactivating, and then it causes, I have scoliosis, but it's not because of scoliosis. It's because of that. It's just developed the curve in my spine. So I walk around constantly in pain, and I realized once I started trying to focus, and this was before I even had the word often, that I'm not in front of y'all, but I'm almost every day snap a little bit, hit a real sour mood, get, get aggravated, somebody says something wrong to me, I, I get very angry, get very agitated. And I started paying attention, well, why when somebody says this to me or somebody's doing something in the background, do I just start wanting to drop in elbows on people? And I started paying attention. And it's because if I'm walking around in physical distress all the time, then can, and probably a lot of y'all do too, probably some of y'all got some problems. And by the way, I only have ever really talked about it my problems with my family members, and I don't really want to talk about it. I just don't want everybody coming to me and be like, are you doing okay today? How's your back? So do me a favor, don't do that. Um, but once I started paying attention, well, why do I want to just go punch something a lot of times? Sometimes I get so mad, I'll just go, and I'll just hit something. I've actually broken my hand before punching something. I told my dad I felt during a wrestling match but who's ever heard of beating me up? But anyways, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so, but that was, that was a long time ago. He knows everything now. But I just get mad and hit. I don't hit my wife. Don't go, don't, don't go getting it confused. I don't hit my wife. But I'm figuring it out, and there are ways I can soothe my pain. I'm figuring out that I'm walking around stressed out because my back's hurting and I got to go rent a U-Haul and load it up. And I'm not asking y'all to call me and say, hey, you need help with that U-Haul because your back's hurting. I don't need anybody to do that either. But that might, that's a reason why I get aggravated a lot is because I'm just walking around. And if your head is hurting and you can't turn your head real good because your neck's tight and it hurts, then you're liable to get aggravated. So what do I need to do? 
I need to spend more time stretching my neck, trying to relieve my pain. Need to spend less time focusing on it. I am a complainer. I complain about my back all the time. I don't think a day goes by. Well, probably a day does go by, like, because, you know, Lydia works full time and I work, so we don't see each other a lot of times until later in the day. But if we spend a full day together, not a day's going to go by where I haven't complained about my back or my neck. Just recently, I've started in the last few months having really bad hip pain. I can't sit cross-legged. I can't do Indian style, cross my leg over my lap because I start getting a burning pain in my hip, <laughs> which is funny, right? But I can stretch it out, and it's just, it all stems from here. And they told me when I went to the doctor that this is a problem that you're going to, is going to develop to be worse over time. You just got to take the best care of yourself that you can. Did I do that all the time? No. So I'm probably in worse shape than I would have been if more often I would have been stretching, doing some Pilates or yoga or something. Not, you know, not like yoga to go become one with myself, but just to stretch. <laughs> so these are things that happen to you that act as a distraction. Money problems, health problems, family problems, any kind of problems. So these problems... You're supposed to do certain stuff, things arise, and then what do we often wind up doing as a result of those problems? Well, what did I talk about? Oftentimes, we might wind up complaining, just becoming a complainer. I want you to pay attention to how your mind works, like I was talking about harboring unforgiveness. Pay attention to what's going on in your head. And I want you to, well, good Lord, is it 12? I'm sorry. Um, I want you to pay attention to how your mind works. I want you to pay attention to the negative stuff. If you're having money problems, are you not tithing? Do you not have faith enough? Because, hey, I'm not perfect. Me and Lydia didn't always tithe. I'm not trying to tell you. And I'm not here to knock on anybody because I don't even look at the tithe envelope. And every once in a while, I make the deposit, so I have to. But Jimmy hands it to me. I hand it off. And But if your money is low, does, is the first thing you knock out your tithes? And you don't even have to tithe here. You don't have to give us all your money. You can go buy somebody some food or whatever. I'm not telling you not to tithe here because of that. But you could just go buy somebody a meal. It's called an act of faith. You know, you got no money, but instead of pinching it, Take what you can, even if it's a daggum penny, and do something with it. Give it. So, we wind up doing stuff that's just completely pointless and a waste of time. Sitting on social media. How often are we watching YouTube videos or sitting on Facebook? I looked at Maddie because I just told her I watch YouTube videos all day while I'm working. But how often are we wasting time versus doing productive stuff? Right? So if you're on Facebook all day, and listen, you don't have to read your Bible. I'm not telling you to read your Bible for more time than you look on Facebook because, you know, you may read your Bible for 10, 20, 30 minutes in the morning. I'm not telling you, you, you have to not be on Facebook more than you are on the Bible. I just want you to think about how often, ask yourself this week, how often 
am I doing this? How, and how often should I be doing this? Right? And so if you, if you keep going down this, you can wind up lost. You can wind up just completely confused, restless. Inevitably, you'll wind up restless. And so if we go to Mark 2.23... Like I was mentioning earlier when we were praying, it says that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through grain fields, and at, as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, talking about David and his companions, on the Sabbath, they entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And the reason I bring this up, share this verse, is because, like I was saying, all this stuff we wind up doing, we could become restless. We could be looking for other stuff to fill the God-shaped hole. We could, we could just become totally lost in this world. We know what we're supposed to do, but oftentimes we just wind up getting completely confused, completely lost, don't know what to do anymore, causes you to be stressed, causes you to complain, causes you to have negative thoughts. But what we can understand, and it is a promise, is that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath means rest, meaning Jesus is the Lord of rest. So we need to go seek him, continue to seek him, continue to look after him to find our rest, to, to clear up all of this confusion, all of this cloud that's in our mind, all of these things that are going on in our mind. We just need to turn to Jesus and the Pharisees think that the Sabbath was made for them. It says, not man for the Sabbath. So it's not about the Sabbath being that day, which it was back in the day. They had the Sabbath and the Jubilee. It was all days of like the Sabbath, but the Jubilee was big. They just wanted to obey it, specific just laws. But what Jesus said was, did you not hear what David did on the day of Sabbath? They were hungry, so they went, and what's cool about it is it says they went to the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which was illegal for them, but they were so hungry they needed it. How are you supposed to be restful, find rest when you're hungry, when you're needy? How are you supposed to rest on an empty stomach? The, the Sabbath was made for man. Rest was made for man. So Jesus, the Lord of rest, was made for you so that you can find rest in all of these things that come up. And that's the important note I want to leave you with today is that just continue to seek Jesus for your rest. You can find it in him. He is the Lord. He says, come to me all who are weary, all who are weak, and you can find rest. So with your word, I want you to analyze it. 
consider your word and consider what I've shared with you today. Take, take whatever, you know, if you want to, you could take this week with a pen and a paper and start analyzing the things that you do, the things that you think of, the thoughts you process. How often do you have negative thoughts? How often are you thinking of somebody that you thought you've forgiven? How often are you praying versus how often are you complaining? Just consider all these things, how often you're doing this and that. Consider all that. Discover yourself a little better so that, and do that individually so that you can become great. And as a community, like Dad wrote down on that card, let's be, let's be great, that we can become great. Because if you work on yourself a little bit, we can serve better and become greater as City of Refuge South. So let's do that. Let's, let's analyze ourselves, knock out the stuff that we need to knock out, reduce the stuff that we need to reduce, start doing more of the stuff we need to start doing more of, and go from there. 2020 can be a really huge, great year for City of Refuge. 2020 can be a really huge, great year for you. Okay, so let's do that, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna leave y'all with that. I had no idea how late we were rolling. I apologize, Lord. We thank you for this word you brought here today. We thank you for each and individual in here and our word. I pray that you allow us to consider, meditate, think on our word. Consider, meditate, think on how often we're doing the things that are pointless and a waste of time and how often we're doing things that are meaningful to you, Lord, and that we can take that and analyze it, Lord, and begin to come up with some sort of process on how to do the important things more, Lord, how to further your kingdom, Lord, how to let you rule in our lives even more so that we can become more powerful and effective in the kingdom, Lord. And I thank you for this. I pray that you send everybody on their way with your peace, power, provision, and protection. In your name I pray, amen.